0: The BookThinger podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture and ghost loads. Vanya Jornidis joins us for episode 53 recorded in Sydney. BookThinger would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this episode was recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contributions of Australia's Indigenous people to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the book. We love especially romance. Kill a fairy fast on the Book Thingo Podcast. Welcome back to the Book Thingo Podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to clarify something that came up in Episode 52. We included an extract from The Rules According to Gracie by Stephanie London. It was beautifully read by Jodie, but the selected text gives the impression that the heroine is married. This is not the case. I am assured there's definitely no cheating in this book. So I'm adding this book back on my list. Today's guest was a friend of mine offline before I knew she was into romance books. Vanya Jornidis is a lifestyle blogger at Vanya Says So. And she is not afraid to share her thoughts on some of your favorite authors. You can find information on the titles and authors we talk about in this episode by going to bookthingo.com.au slash podcast and clicking on episode number 53.
1: So I got into romance purely out of curiosity for a book, but not the genre. So I had seen Fifty Shades of Grey around for like a full year. Everyone was going on about it. I was not really interested because not, it's not the type of books that I would typically read. But I thought since everyone's reading it, I'm going to read it. And I was very torn because after I read those books, it wasn't until I actually met you that I tried other romance novels because I it was extremely unrealistic story. I didn't find the writing very good, so I was actually quite perplexed as to why people were so crazy over this story um, when there are other really good books out there. So when you suggested I read a few romance novels, I just kind of went into it and found that there is actually much much better stories out there than than Fifty Shades
0: of Grey. So since then who are some of the authors that you've discovered and have loved in the genre?
1: So since then I kind of went a bit overdrive in reading but some of the authors that I am obsessed with are probably going through all of their books uh, would be Whitney G, Jessica Lemon, (laughs) Colleen Hoover
0: and Christina Lauren, Kelly Scott.
1: Christina Lauren, yeah, yeah, I'm so bad with names. But if you ask me what the covers looked like, <laughs> <laughs> i would be much better. But probably those authors write the most interesting, hot and steamy books. They have a very different way of writing, each of them. Um, and the stories always portray quite empowering women.
0: So let me ask you, when you read a story, do you identify more with the heroine or with the hero? That's a good question. The heroine. And and probably
1: the reason I, I like those books is because the, the women... They have a degree of being like self-conscious to some, some bit, like their own, what they're like, but they're not, they're empowered. Like Fifty Shades of Grey, Anastasia in Fifty Shades of Grey, when you read the books, she seems extremely timid, very insecure and unsure of herself. So he in essence overpowers her not just physically as part of the sex games but he overpowers her whole personality and you almost feel like she's making excuses for being in that relationship where and I know like a lot of people are going to think like this following comments completely crazy but i actually prefer the movies to the books so did i yeah because i I feel like in the movies they gave her a lot more she pushes back a lot more. yeah she's a lot more powerful she has she's got a solid character i feel that in 50 shades of gray her self-talk was actually really demotivating for me as a woman like especially in a relationship in a relationship, a very healthy relationship, you have to have a 50-50 partner. And even if you choose to be in a relationship where there is a dominant, it should be a choice you give them at that point in time, not the full relationship in every aspect of
0: your life. So you've read the books and you've watched the movies? Yes. All three books and all the, both movies? So I've read four books. Sorry, are there four? Well, yes.
1: Oh, because great. Well, great. I have another comment to that one. Yes. <laughs> So then, because she, she came out with everything, the point of view of... of um, Christian. Christian Grey. I honestly think that those books were, we're a not wa- waste of paper. <laughs> like, she's done her job with the series. I mean, the book two, I actually stopped reading by book two uh, because also it's very unrealistic from a sex perspective. I do believe they had sex 11 or 13 times in the one day. Now, whilst I'm all for it... <laughs> I have all other different thoughts to that.
0: Like, you're going to need some burn cream. Right? <laughs> to alleviate. There must be the some discomfort. ghost loads in that <laughs> bit as well.
1: I mean, it was just completely unrealistic.
0: I guess I think it's it like completely unrealistic. romance fantasy to the
1: extreme. Extreme. But, I mean, really, is that even romance fantasy? <laughs> like, that's like what? Once every hour during the dates? It's crazy. Any Anyway, I mean, look, if you can do it all the power <laughs> to you but but I do feel that the other authors capture the relationships in a very equal way even though the, the stories with those authors also talk about there is that power struggle and the man typically in in these stories is the millionaire or has the money but the girls don't fall for it and and I, I feel like I see myself in those stories so they're a lot easier to read because at the, the whole reason I read books is to get motivated and empowered and, you know, have, have positive outlook on things, right? So me, typically, I read stories with a happy ending. So then I think to myself, it's like a waste of time and my energy reading things that are repetitive where the girl is like, you know, really looked down at and she has no no agency to her, I think there's enough of that in real life with men overpowering women, especially in the media. That I don't, I really don't feel like reading about. It helps any of us. But
0: you read outside of romance too. Yeah. You read general fiction. What other types of books do you enjoy? Self help. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'm I joking. do have some. <laughs> I, I love. Um, minimalist living yes. type things, oh. even though I find it impossible <laughs> to implement anything. Yeah, but there's something to strive for,
1: right? <laughs> kind of, but have
0: you read the – I can't remember the name of the book. I think it's called The Secret. Uh,
1: the Secret. The,
0: the Magic to Tidying Up or something. Oh, yes, yes. It's so funny, such a funny book. Any sex in that book? No, but she did say point. one of her – because one of the uh, – and um I can't remember the author's name, but she's quite famous because of this book – and her philosophy is you, get, you basically go through all your possessions, you sort of touch it, and then if it doesn't give you joy, you get rid of it because yeah. you shouldn't keep it in your life. And so she said one of her success stories was a client who came back to her and said, oh, I implemented your strategies in your book and I'm now divorced from my husband. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, maybe, well. maybe she had to get rid of some... Um... The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Oh, that's yeah, the book. I,
1: I, I, in fact, I think a friend of mine <laughs> showed me that uh, book. But no, I, look, I like reading all types of books because I feel like life is so colourful that you really, you really need to look at it from different points of view. Actually, one of the books that's on my to-read list for book club is um, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, gosh. And right, so that is very much a complete of a dystopian story but completely different view on women and feminism I just think that there is so much out there that we are already fighting against and I don't want to use books or romance novels as like a tool but why not write more books and stories where women are empowered and You know, what about the books where women are the millionaires and then they meet guys? There's like one or two books that I know of of that that has that storyline. Like, I think, me personally, it's way sexier to read about a woman and a man who came at an equal thing, even if she was more successful than him, than, than the whole Christian Grey scenario where obviously that book sparked a whole other list of books, you know, that are like, so if you go on Pinterest and you type in, then you get a whole list of things like Fifty Shades of Grey. But why read more like that when you just keep reading about some guy who's really rich and gets everything he wants?
0: Well, I've heard anecdotes that the millionaire tycoon has sort of lost its luster after what's happened in the US, (laughs) in the politics, but also I think... I, I do understand. I'm I'm also a bit puzzled why we still don't have enough successful, very very successful women billionaire uh, millionaire women in romance in this time. Because I would have thought that by now we would have caught up. But I think maybe we just need a few more, a couple more decades before those books start to sort of be on parity with but the, funny the billionaire thing is, hero.
1: It's us women that's writing these books. So clearly yeah, but, we as women well, don't see ourselves no, in No, no, my positions. theory
0: is if I were to envision my ideal life, mm. do I want to be working in a corporate job mm. for like 60 hours a week you're to starting earn billions? A,
1: you're starting <laughs> or do I want to retire top- early
0: because you're starting <laughs> a am being topic? So my opinion on that
1: is that even if I had a husband who was a millionaire I would still look at having something to do for me because I think women tend to lose themselves in the everyday life of kids, family, cooking and cleaning. And in a lot of marriages, even if they're considered completely equal, I will put money on it. Women still do more around the house than guys. So my point is, why not then empower ourselves by doing things that fulfill us? So in my case, that may be a corporate career that gives me the drive and the adrenaline and whatever. Some women may find that with volunteering somewhere. So it doesn't have to be a paid thing. But I I feel it's very important to have independence in your life, to have independence in the relationship, whether your husband's a million or not. Now, of course,
0: if you have more money, your life is a lot easier. Honestly, my ideal romantic setting would be um, a hero who actually owned property in Sydney. <laughs> You're already way ahead <laughs> of like so many other people. At least one four bedroom apartment. I know, well, I been sometimes I'll read Mills and Boons that are set in Sydney and they'll talk about how the guy owns a penthouse in the city. And I'm like, it's not the penthouse in the city that's important. It's the fact that he has parking in the city. <laughs> that, you can't buy that for gold. <laughs> So then I find it interesting because you got into romance through this new wave of readers that discovered the genre through Fifty Shades, even though you didn't discover it because you love Fifty Shades, you discovered it because you wanted to know why there was such a big fuss over it and you weren't quite satisfied and you went out and looked for other authors. So you guys, you, you, new readers not really new anymore but m- oh, yeah. more recent readers have a different, I think have different things that you're looking at and looking for in the books and it's interesting to me which books we have in common mm. um, because the books that I remember reading when I started in the genre are totally different and for you they will be like sort of old romances, you would be looking back at women living in the 90s and the you know early 2000s and it would be quite for the same. me i
1: think it's about being relatable so there's one thing about escapism and going back and that romantic notion of the big dresses like the period romance but then i i feel we're bombarded with so many things in our lives as women about body image about you know being successful about being able to juggle kids life husband the whole thing that it's kind of nice to then read stories of women who do it successfully in that setting. The other thing is the fact that, you know, majority of the novels we read are really all the prototypical start of the relationship. And now I have had chats with my girlfriends and I've been really looking very hard to find books that fall within a different view of the romance relationship for example what about after marriage because each story is always tailored and they happily lived ever after and you know it's always marriage is the ending thing but majority of us reading these books are all married women I actually would love to know the statistics on how many unmarried women read these books like you know a lot of People look and search for what do I do today to keep my long-term relationship or my marriage still hot even the kids are there and the house isn't clean like how do we keep that romance going and it's actually really hard to write a book on that topic
0: so two things about that Um, the first is I'm not sure that I would consider those types of stories romance but I also acknowledge that the genre is always changing and it's so reader driven that if you get enough readers wanting it in the genre, it will eventually, you'll eventually get those books um, being written and being bought. But the other thing is even when stories of married women appear in genres like popular fiction, women's fiction, they're usually not written in a way that is a relatable like i always feel sometimes that they're like older than me like they mm. always feel so old or so bored mm. and the second thing is um i just never find them satisfying like and i don't know whether it's the same problem where i just don't feel like these women they don't sound like me they don't sound like my friends mm. the problems they're having seem like problems my mom's having not the problems that i'm having um and i don't know whether we maybe we're looking for a new crop of writers in women's fiction to tackle those stories because it feels stuck in a rut to me actually I guess if you
1: look a prototypical structure of a romance novel you've got the girl meets boy then they're like back and forth back and forth getting the you know the angst up of them hooking up will they won't they halfway through the book they hook up then for about two, three chapters, everything is beautiful. It's going great. But then you can see there's another 50 pages left and you know something's going to go wrong. And inevitably it all goes wrong. And it's just a degree of, you know, is it a stalker or the family member or, or how realistic the situation is. And then right before the end, they get back together. And then the epilogue is at the wedding. And I find it amazing That there is only a small amount of writers that actually have ventured out of that construct and done a story that actually was really interesting, really got the emotions out, really got me going to keep turning that page. So one of those is Christina Lauren with, I think it was the last book she wrote, um, Hating You, Dating You. So I'm not going to give anything away. But the book starts off with them having a sexual encounter. I read it and my initial thought was, is, uh, where is this going to go? Because we've already skipped through the whole build-up of the thing. And I thought they're going to have to pull a rabbit out of a hat to turn this book around. Because this is only like the first or second chapter. And to be honest, they killed it. They absolutely killed it. They managed to start the relationship off on a one-night stand and then build the, the emotion to like a crescendo where you are just flipping through those pages, like going through the emotion with the characters. They're, and because you're reading it from both points of view, you're like hating the other person when you're reading from you know her point of view or you're hating he, her when you're reading it from his point of view. And I think it, it takes a lot of guts to do something different. And, and I think a lot of the times it sticks in the people's minds. But the odd one is the marriage because, you know, romance, and I know the definition of it, but romance does not end with the wedding night. Like, what happens afterwards? Like, I, if, from a romantic point of view, like you read these books and you get all hot and bothered, and you're like, you're running into the room with the hubby. And most of the time he says to me, You've
0: been reading your books, haven't you? And I'm like, Yeah. Actually, we're different because me, I'm like, Stay away from me. I'm reading a book. Don't bother me.
1: No, but, but the thing is, there is, a, there is a different dynamic when you're married, but, but there has to still be romance. And, and I know a lot of my girlfriends who are married where I pitched the idea of, would you read a book about you know, marriage and like an erotic romance after marriage? And a lot of them who are married would say, I would love that because you get to a point where even though you're reading this book, you're kind of imagining yourself in the heroine's position, but then you realize she's only 24. And you're like, at some point, it's going to be like, well, I can't be positioned, putting myself in in that mindset of a 24-year-old when I am, you know, 36, I've been married, I've been with my my partner for 16 years, right? So, So I do believe that there has to be a way to portray a romantic relationship between a couple at different stages of their life you know and there is a few books that I've read that do it in a very interesting way whether it's right or wrong it does is beside the point but at least the author's have tried it one of them is that they break up and he says to her that you know give me one month we'll go away and I'll show you who I really am and basically he reveals to her that he's into bondage and stuff and then they go through this whole process and then she actually realizes that the whole reason their marriage didn't work previously is because they were hiding the sides of themselves thinking the other person wouldn't like it. Now, bondage may be an extreme thing, but like there are things that I still to this day find out about my husband and he finds about me after 16 years that we go, oh my God, I'd never knew that about you. It could be as simple as he never knew I couldn't stand, um, what do you call it, spruits. <laughs> oh my God, not avocado mango mango i think how can you not no yeah.
0: this is a different conversation
1: right. <laughs> so, so one of the things he found out about me like last year is that i, I can't stand mango we've been together for 16 years he's like how did i not know this and that's a that's a small example but you know do we venture sexually when we are with our partner or does venturing sexually mean having an affair like there are, there are so many different things we don't address. And so they become like the unspoken thing. Like just because you get married, it's happily ever after. It's, it's not true. So like simple things, you know, you fall into a routine with your partner and sex one way is really nice, but then you never try the other way. You, you stop experimenting in a way. So a sex session goes from an hour to five minutes. Because the kids may wake up, but then there are other things you can do. So what do successful couples do? You know, can we learn from them? Can we read about them? You know, does that mean taking time, going on date night, going on the dirty weekend, doing these things? And, you know, a lot of the things we do is talking to our girlfriends and what people do, but like reading about it would be nice because that's something I can relate to. You know, the 35-year-old mum of one and who's been with a partner for a long time and now they're rediscovering themselves and experimenting again.
0: So when you talk about this, there are some plot setups that I've thought of that sort of address what you're saying, but they make the plot a lot more dramatic, I guess, to make it worth telling the story. So one of them is a couple who's been married, but one of them has been deployed in the military and then comes home so that includes things like post-traumatic stress adjusting back to civilian life also like if they've had kids trying to get to know their kids who hadn't seen them for a long time another one is like the the reason I'm wary of this this scenario is because I really don't want to read about infidelity in my romance but neither do I yeah so so but I think you know, the first thing you think of about around marriage conflict. What's mm-hmm. what's the worst thing I can do to married couple yes. to give them a conflicting situation? Yes. And the first thing you think of is, well, okay, maybe one of them cheats, and you're like, mm, I'm already, mm-hmm. I'm already annoyed, right? But um, there are other ones that I've read. So um, the submission gift by Solace Ames is a couple. I can't remember if they're married, but I know that they were like an established couple who bring in a guy into their relationship because she likes being dominated but her husband doesn't like dominating and I think her husband also likes to have sex with men so it kind of works out for everyone that everyone's kinks get satisfied of, yeah. yeah get it get taken care of so that was really interesting then there was one by Jackie Ashenden uh, where they were a couple on the brink of divorce and then they were at a party and the husband's jealousy somehow gets triggered and so they have this sexual encounter and then he basically tells her i'm not going to sign the divorce contract unless you give me i think it was another month to see where we went wrong and whether or not we can fix it and that was to me very interesting as well so so you could
1: but there are so many yeah, you're right. real life scenarios that could be and, and i use this term like sexy that could be sexy twists like the sexy drama me I went through something a few years ago with my son, a really bad health care, um, and we spent two years in a, quite a stressful situation now, in terms of a book plot i after my son got better, I went to my gynecologist who basically asked me whether I was still with my husband, and I said, yes, I was, and th- he was he 's that eighty year old guy he 's like well beyond retirement age he was completely shocked he said to me wow congratulations so there are moments in everyday life that don't go to infidelity that can rock a marriage and be quite a dramatic portrayal in a book that can tear the the the, the couple apart and reunite,
0: you know, the more that we talk about this, the more I remember how many of these books I have read in the past. So, actually, the most number of books I read that have these plot lines were in Mills and Boone. Oh, really? Yeah, Mills and Boone. Maybe um, that's the new thing I need to start reading. Yeah, well, but we need to find you the right title. So, Mills and Boone had this line called Super Romance, and I think it was either in Super Romance or special edition but anyway one of them was had a lot of like reunited plots so either childhood sweetheart something happened and then they meet again when they're adults when they're older or um, estranged couples divorced couples Um, there was one actually by an Australian author I think it was it wasn't super romance but it was Mills and Boone I think it was by Nikki Logan and what had happened was she had had a one-night stand with a rodeo guy and had gotten pregnant but didn't tell him because she's like it's none of his business it was a one-night stand I want to keep the baby he's got nothing to do with it but the child needed I think the child needed bone marrow transplant so and I can't remember I'm so bad at it it was either she needed him to provide the donation or she needed to make another baby because the doctor told her the chances that a second baby would be a match were really high Mm. so then he's like "A, you didn't even tell me I had a kid how dare you Um, but then B, like how can you say no when it potentially can save this child's life even though you didn't know this child existed Mm. so I thought that was really interesting so it's not quite marriage Mm. but it's a sort of similar previous relationship rekindled because of something sort of drastic in their lives the other plot that I used to see in Mills and Boone was ex-married couple so either married and divorced or married split up separated whose child is put in danger and the guy is some sort of like police officer or like sort of alpha hero type who will then rescue the kid and then reunites with the girl so actually you're right that I don't know where they are now
1: I just I I don't know where they are I just feel that it is sad that we that there isn't an equal amount of those types of books to the boy meets girl books because the majority of the readers are in that position. I so. think you'll
0: find that some of these things are cyclical. Yeah. So we're going through a massive boom of younger heroines and heroes, a lot of um, college, uh, university age uh, heroines. We went through a massive sports and I think we're still going through that because of the Olympics, like sporting heroes and heroines and you saw we went through billionaire phase yeah. and that's kind of really died I'm over down it. now yeah <laughs> I'm over
1: it. it's unattainable <laughs> I mean, how many billionaires are walking around up to girls in bars? But also
0: the billionaires, it used to be millionaires, and yeah. then they're now devalued. So now it's yeah. not enough to have a million. You're <laughs> like, what's a million going to buy me in Sydney? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah nothing. <laughs> a car park. But I, I
1: will tell you this. So this isn't a typical romance novel, but this book, um, it is called Never Never by Colleen Hoover and Taryn Fisher. And I wrote a review on it on my blog. But so it is about two kids who are in high school and the plot is that something has happened we don't know what but they they have only memory of the last 48 hours and when those and when the next 48 hours expire their memory is wiped so then they have to rebuild what has happened so that they figure out what why they keep losing their mind
0: so it's a bit like Memento Yes, Have you, with the Guy Pearce movie?
1: Yes, yes. So as they realize what's happening, they keep writing down what's happened the night before and they're putting it in places so that in the next morning when they remember, they can find it, read it, and then work off that to figure out how they stop it from happening. The thing is, though, even though it's like this YA type of novel, but the concept of the story is so interesting because it c- keeps taking you back the start of your relationship because all they remember is the good times. they actually completely forgot the whole reason they had split up in the first place because they're actually not together. So I kind of feel like it's like a lesson for people who have been in long-term relationships or are married around doing that restart and going back and remembering why they are together in the first place. And if you can't get back to that place, then you shouldn't be together anymore like you know you want that happy ending but it's it's really interesting it's like you have to go back you've got to remember that feeling why you were together how you go back together to be able to rebuild it every day anew and like metaphorically speaking like they, they keep forgetting it literally but I'm talking really working on it you know it's the little things You know, when you stop telling your partner, I love you, or when you go to bed on a fight, or, I mean, me and Andy, this way TMI for everyone listening there, but before Charlie came along, we would go to bed holding hands, like we would go to sleep holding hands in bed. Now, Charlie came along and now me and Charlie go to bed holding hands. (laughs) But, but, you know, these are the little things that you do that once you stop doing those little things, you grow apart. And there is a lot of women growing apart from their partners. And statistically speaking, I believe fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. So if we can't recognize ourselves in the books that we read and and associate to those characters in some way, then like it's you know what I mean. There's a massive like, gap. Massive gap. Every woman, you know, a lot of women, but not every woman. A lot of women leaving their husbands perceive that you know once they get divorced and they get rid of this problem that they're having in their marriage life is sex in the city you know they live like carrie bradshaw they've got these girlfriends on branches that want you know grass is green on the other side but that's not the truth so if we keep reading all these books about these young girls being successful and meeting these guys easily you know love of their lives then if we actually leave that marriage that isn't working. We're not, we're not going to find that same plot in our life that we're reading, you know. So.
0: so you mentioned Colin Hoover, who is sort of romance but sort of not. I wanted to ask you, where do you find new books and new authors?
1: Wow. I, I think I'm the most unconventional person. First of all, I stalk Instagram. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> but I don't think you're alone there. Instagram yeah. is one of the most popular vehicles for books, I think.
1: Instagram, Pinterest. And also uh, good reads because you can find the book that you really like, and then it gives you a list of books that are similar. And then obviously word of mouth. Like you know, a lot of the times you you know, girlfriend says this is really good, and then you just go in and and read that one. I am always really forgiving when I read books, and there's only been a handful of books that I've literally stopped reading because I, I really couldn't get through it. So I get through most books. And and I really try to find the good in every book. Like even if, you know, it's bad plot or bad writing or boring or whatever, I, I kind of try to, I'm very forgiving in it. And I know a lot of the my friends that read books, they're just like very harsh, like, you know, one star straight away. The thing is like, you've got to keep reading books and, and not, not the same ones. So, you know, just because you like Fifty Shades of Grey, you shouldn't read every book under that, you know, type of genre like you need to venture out because if you don't venture out and read all different types of books you're not going to know what's good you're not going to know to appreciate it you don't know
0: what you don't know yeah so just to finish off you mentioned earlier that you work in a corporate job I wanted to ask you what are your thoughts on sex in the boardroom
1: (laughs) my god first of all I work in IT security So my first thing is, where is the hidden camera? So there's no way I would be engaging in any type of sexual activity in a boardroom. However, I did meet my husband at work. He was, I did report to
0: him (laughs) when we met. Living the romance lifestyle. Living the romance
1: lifestyle. Actually, it's really funny when you say romance lifestyle. It's kind of like every romance novel describes when you meet the one. Like... No romance novel starts off the story when you met the wrong one. And then by chapter six, you met the right one. Right. So some of the things that they write about is this prototypical feeling, the beating of the heart, the excitement and all that. So it's, it's all true, but but it is, it's kind of awkward. So office romance,
0: that's how I met my but husband. Do you f- I, I don't mind the concept of workplace romance, but like, it's hard to find one that actually has that awkwardness because in real life it's 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 sexy because you know it's romantic sort of feelings but it's also really funny because usually for the first part of you're trying to hide the fact from everyone that you're attracted to each other because just in case it falls apart you don't want anyone else to know but also like you know if for example you're in rooms together it's not like You're obviously not just going to jump each other because you have romantic feelings. It's all a little bit like funny and awkward and sexy.
1: The most romantic part of a romance is the lust and the build-up. So, okay, so having met my husband at work and working very closely with him and not wanting people to know... Like our boss at the time was quite an outrageous guy and be like, you know, he would be winking at my husband going, oh, the new temp has started. And, you know, wink, wink. And you are a Mills and Boone plot. (laughs) I am. I'm totally Mills. And and, and the thing is, so me and Andrew at the time, were like actually really fancied each other. Like we've had chemistry straight away. But then you're playing, you're playing bit coy with him here with you. And then when things actually happen and, you know, you kiss outside of work. Then you come back to that office and then people don't know. So they are still in that. And you've got this secret between the two of you, right? So I don't think necessarily that office romance is the, the pinnacle of that is the sex on the, you know, meeting room table. I think the office romance is better because of the...
0: Um, because you can't do you anything. You can't do anything, right? But honestly, Vanya... How sexy are meeting room tables? Like, have you ever seen I mean, one? I no. Imagine getting up off of with like the
1: streak of the red whiteboard marker on your ass. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And but... pr- people will probably know something happened in that room because the cleaners aren't thorough, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Imprints and so on.
0: That's all we have time for in this episode. Huge thanks to our amazing audio producer, Rudy Bremer. You can find the show notes for episode 53 at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. This helps other listeners like you find the show. Remember our first episode for the year, when I finally had my friend and librarian, Vassiliki Veros on the show? Well, your feedback for that episode was fabulous. Sandra Antonelli tweeted, Love me, love my juices. You did it, Vaveros. I am so impressed. Thanks, Kat. Wonderful podcast at BookThingo. Katrin tweeted that it was a great podcast. And Diem tweeted that she really loved this episode, snorted unattractively more than once, and also learned heaps. I believe Diem has now defined the trifecta of success that we will be using for all future podcasts. Thank you, ladies, for all your support. We also had a tremendous response to our Valentine's Day special from readers and authors. Thank you all for your kind words. And I have to say, I am so honoured that you, my fellow readers, trusted us with your voices and your favourite books. It was an absolute pleasure to hear from you. In the next episode, I catch up with reader Jofi Belikov, who was in Sydney last year for a holiday. I trapped her in an interview on her way to the airport. We talk about her gateway into romance and her involvement in the romance class community. In the meantime, please visit us at bookthingo.com.au and have a fabulous fortnight of reading.